you ready to talk sports with one of the leading sports journalists of today? Welcome to All Around Sports with John Inglesby. John's years of experience as a journalist has allowed him to net exclusive interviews with the top players, former players, commissioners, and owners. John and his guests are ready to give you the straight word when it comes to sports. Now, let's talk All Around Sports. Here's your host, John Inglesby. Voice America listeners. Welcome to the 281st ever show of All Around Sports. Each Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, we broadcast live from Boston to go all around the world of sports for one hour to discuss what happened this weekend and what's ahead for the week. Join the show. The call-in number is 1-888-346-9144. Or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. As always, I will give you my highlights, lowlights, and bizarre news items from this past week. Also, we'll be joined next segment by our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Studham of Bama Magazine. Well, my highlight of the week is clearly the Pittsburgh Penguins last night winning their fifth Stanley Cup and and going back-to-back, first team to do that since the late 90s when the Detroit Wed Wings did it. And... Uh, They've won every one of their five Stanley Cups on the road. Pretty fascinating and says a lot about the Penguins organization. So last night was uh, an instant classic down in Nashville against the Predators. Uh, The goaltending was absolutely off the charts. The drama just kept building and building and building uh, with each spectacular save made by uh, either Matt Murray for the Penguins or Pekka Rene for the Predators. And it was just uh, up and down the ice and really, uh, you know, one of the great final games of the year to win the Stanley Cup uh, ever played, in my estimation. Uh, Sidney Crosby, his legacy is now secure uh, with three Stanley Cups. Uh, especially spreading him out a little bit. He won in 2009, of course, and won last year and won last night. He also won uh, the Conn Smythe Trophy, Most Valuable Player, uh, each of the last two years. So he is the greatest player, clearly, of our generation. He has, if there were any doubt, he has clearly separated himself. He has left... uh, Alexander Ovechkin in the dust uh, with the number of times uh, the Penguins have beaten the, the, the uh, Caps. So that is no longer up for debate. And uh, yeah, kudos to the Penguins and specifically to Sidney Crosby, the whole organization. Uh, I was fortunate enough to be in a great setting last night. Uh, the Yinzers Club of Boston, which is basically 750 strong Pittsburgh people who live now in the Boston area. Uh, again, the organization is about 750 strong, so that's 750 people. And uh, they get together at a great establishment, city side, uh, in Chestnut Hill, right, uh, literally right down the street from Boston College. Uh, and their football stadium, or also Lear, an Irish pub in downtown Boston on Boylston Street. And uh, 
So last night was at city side, uh, the home bar, so to speak, and gigantic turnout, as you would expect for a night when the Penguins could win the Stanley Cup. And uh, it was just spectacular. Uh, again, all transplants from Western Pennsylvania, living in Boston, getting together, uh, private room, and uh, it was just really a special evening. The emotion, the energy, the drama was just off the charts and uh, just as good a setting for someone from Western Pennsylvania like myself to watch with other Penguins fans and uh, the emotion was just off the charts, a celebration. It was just terrific, truly terrific. And, uh, you know, th this group gets together and uh, for pirate games, but really it's rooted in, of course, getting together for Steeler games. Uh, but that has expanded dramatically, especially the last couple of years. Uh, with lots and lots of watch parties for the Penguins as they've been steaming to the past two cups. And uh, so, yeah, so now it's just basically a regular thing. Just about every every critical playoff game and every game in the finals with the Pens is now just drawing large crowds. And uh, never bigger than last night. So, uh, great time had by all. And once again, uh, I hear... Pittsburgh is billing itself now as uh, Hockey Town USA, formerly the moniker of Detroit with the Red Wings, the great teams over the years. Uh, but at this point in time, I think you have to say that Pittsburgh is indeed Hockey Town USA. Moving on, my low light of the week was Bob Stoops shocking the football world by resigning as the Oklahoma football coach last week. Uh, shocking part of it is just the fact that it was in June. It's just not something you typically see this time of year, uh, especially at one of America's storied college football programs and, uh, just really caught everybody off guard. There was no leaking on this one. That's for darn sure. And, uh, you know, Bob Stoops won one national championships uh, with the Sooners. But, you know, he's always been in the mix uh, year in, year out. Uh, he's playing big games, won a lot of big games, lost a few. Uh, but all in all, I think he's been really good for college football uh, in keeping, again, a great program with a great history like Oklahoma. Relevant, beyond relevant, in the mix and uh, some great players. Just a couple of years ago, they made the college football playoff, Final Four. And all in all, highest compliment I can pay Bob Stoops is uh, you know, he's been a worthy successor to the great coaching history of Bud Wilkinson, Chuck Fairbanks, Barry Switzer. And, uh, you know, sorry to see him go. We'll see what happens from here. I don't think he'll disappear. Uh, see if he ends up in the booth or what else might possibly happen, but a young guy, age 56. And, uh, again, you know, it was, uh, sad to see Bob Stoops walk away, but, uh, hopefully we'll see him, uh, in some other capacity sooner rather than later. Well, my bizarre story of the week are 
a sense of deja vu with the Warriors and Cavaliers being back in the exact same spot as last year, which means Golden State has a 3-1 lead with Game 5 tonight in Golden State. And uh, just exactly as it was last year, obviously a, a bit of a different path in that the Cavs were down 3-0. No NBA team has ever come back from a 3-0 deficit to win a series, period. Uh, so, but they won game four, and here they are. Same exact spot as last year when, as we all know, uh, LeBron took over and put together three of the greatest games uh, in history for the Cavs to win the championship. Up here in Boston, we have a unique perspective uh, on the anatomy of a 3-0 comeback. Uh, we've seen it. We've been on both sides of it. Of course, uh, the epic 3-0 comeback from the Yankee against the Yankees in 2004 uh, had never been done before in baseball until then. And I was right here, ringside seat. I was at game five, as in the same game five that's going to be played tonight. To this day, uh, the greatest sports event I've ever been to in my life. And uh, as we all know, the Red Sox won it. Went down to Yankee Stadium and won game six and seven. And then the Philadelphia Flyers came back and beat the Boston Bruins six, seven years ago in the playoffs. When they were down 3-0, if I've learned a few things from watching both sides of a 3-0 comeback, uh, game four is the pride game. That was Friday in this series, and the Cavs showed a lot of pride by basically uh, setting records for points scored, 49 points in the first quarter, 82, I believe, in the first half. Absolutely on fire with a three-point shot, and... uh, but tonight is the night. Tonight is the game. Uh, <clears throat> like it was 13 years ago at Fenway Park uh, on a Monday, as I, as I remember. Um, this, is, this is the key game. To me, if the Warriors lose tonight, they could very likely lose the series again. Um, and I say that, obviously, it's at home in Golden State. And... The Cavs had to put a scare in them with what they did on Friday night in the same light. It's, it seems impossible that they could repeat that performance. And uh, But, you know, then if, if the Cavs somehow pull it out tonight in Oakland, then, of course, game six in Cleveland, uh, you have to favor the Cavs in that one. If they win tonight, obviously, and game seven back in Golden State would be so much pressure on the Warriors it would be crushing and there's always the LeBron factor which we're certainly going to see tonight big time and uh, so uh, tonight game of the year the game of the year so it's just going to be fabulous viewing can't wait and we'll see how it all turns out so now let's take our break and next up will be our weekly call-in expert AP Stedham of Bama Magazine so don't go anywhere
Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Join Matt Fish and Alex Clancy every week for Rebound Radio. We'll talk with the legends of basketball about how they got started, their rise to the top of the game, how basketball has changed their lives, and what they're up to now. Just like the game itself, you'll find that lives can pivot on a dime. There can be last-minute saves, and life is anything but run-of-the-mill. Rebound Radio can be heard live every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time and 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. You won't want to miss the next show. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment two of All Around Sports. And I'm your host, John Inglesby. To join the show... The call-in number is 1-888-346-9144. Or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And it's that time of the show when our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine, joins us. And A.P., how are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing great, John. Doing great. Glad to be here from Birmingham, Alabama. From Birmingham, Alabama. What takes you to Birmingham? John, we had the Alabama Sports Writers uh, Convention yesterday, so... We had a nice group of folks, and we you know, handed out some writing awards and uh, awards to some of the high school players and junior college players, and Julio Jones was the pro athlete of the year in the state of Alabama, and uh, wow. uh, Jonathan Allen was the college football player of the year in the state of Alabama. So, you know, they, they weren't there in attendance, but we handed out those awards. They had representatives there, so that was, it was a nice uh, evening. That sounds great. Wow. I love it. Um, so yeah, so how long are you in Birmingham for? Are, are all the activities oh, wrapped I'll up? I'll be here, uh, in the area, John, I have to get to test this, so I'm still uh, working on a, a special project, the Wishbone Boys, and, uh, you'll like to hear this, John, since we, you, you're familiar with New England Patriots, we spent the weekend, uh, up at John Hanna's farm, and we, we visited with him quite a while, filmed him, uh, up in a little town up there in North Alabama, and uh, then we traveled over to another farm in North Alabama, Richard Todd. He's a wow. quarterback in New York Jets. So of course. Did, did that on Saturday. So uh, we're making progress with a uh, documentary, The Wishbone Boys. So it was fun. And then we have to go down uh, tomorrow to Tuscaloosa. We're going to interview the former Tennessee football coach, uh, some may recall, Bill Battle. He just re- retired as the athletic director at the University of Alabama, so he defended that wishbone for about seven or eight years, uh, and we were going to speak to him about defending the wishbone and playing against Alabama in the 70s. Well, that's fabulous. Wow. Those are some serious names you're throwing out there. John Hanna actually lived 
in the same suburban Boston town that I live in, that I'm broadcasting from as we speak, uh, back when he played for the Patriots, when, by all accounts, uh, by acclamation, he's the greatest, considered the greatest offensive lineman in NFL history, period. And, uh, and I certainly wouldn't argue, and I don't think anybody else would, certainly not face-to-face with John. <laughs> and uh, Richard, yeah, right? You know, you're, no, it, no, I've always felt his number. Uh, John, it was a little, it, it was, it was kind of neat, really, to listen to him talk about the art of blocking and pass blocking and drive blocking. So, and then he, I was one of his dummies, so that was kind of a lot of fun. <laughs> you were a blocking dummy. Yeah, I was a blocking dummy. There was a big old uh, bull behind him. Every once in a while, he'd, he'd uh, move or something, so that was kind of interesting as well. Well, I love it. Uh, of all the great attributes John Hanna had, without a doubt, in my mind, his greatest attribute was he, he had an edge, shall we say. <laughs> a big-time edge. <laughs> he, he sure did. He, and John, <laughs> I don't think there's any secret to anyone, but if you asked John, did you have fun playing football, he said, well, you know, it was my job. You know, I enjoyed it, but I didn't have fun, but it was my job. So he's very passionate, and uh, you could see why – he was one of the top competitors of all time on the offensive line. Correct. Well, his legend, obviously, he's a legend in Alabama. He's a legend here, up here and just a, a, an absolute football legend. And, you know, you send me the Wishbone Boys, uh, you know, teaser, if you will, highlight reel, uh, preview, whatever whatever the proper word is. And it was just trailer, the trailer. The trailer. Excuse me. Sorry. Lost my movie term there for a minute. It was fabulous. Uh, just fabulous. Of course, being from Pennsylvania, I loved the part where they basically said that no team ever defended the wishbone better than Penn State. I remember those games. I really do. Penn State, Alabama games in that era uh, were spectacular. They, they were appointment television back in the day, boy, that's for sure. Yeah, every play, John, was a battle. I mean, hard hitting and just good tackling. I mean, you really had to earn every point. It's one of those games where Alabama, they outlasted Penn State, and they were able to survive on that fabulous goal line stand. Late 70s, early 80s, right? Is that the period we're talking about? Yeah, that was the uh, 79 Sugar Bowl, 78 season, and then Alabama had played them actually – uh, Richard Todd was the MVP of the 75 game. And I think that was the first time the Sugar Bowl played on New Year's Eve in 75. Okay, okay. Well, from the Penn State perspective, let's not forget, you know, Penn State football was born, so to speak, uh, you know, hit the big time in 69. And so in those games in the 70s, you know, they were still fighting for respect. Those were the days of, uh, you know, Eastern football wasn't, competitive and uh so penn state was always you know fighting an uphill uphill battle which i believe is what created the passion that you're talking about uh against teams like alabama that they were still on the quest for respect and they ultimately you know didn't win their first national title until 1982 against georgia and uh so yeah i mean i I, i've you know just seeing that trailer you sent me was a great reminder of Again, the battle that Penn State fought for many years for simply, you know, respectability and, of course, a national title. And they, 
a lot of people certainly thought they had it when Mike Gooman dove into the line. I'm not saying it was a bad call. I'm just saying at the outset of that play, uh, everyone, certainly in Pennsylvania, thought this is it. But it wasn't. Goal line stand, nobody in PA or Alabama will ever forget it, to say the least. No, no, it was the ultimate gut check, as Coach Bryant would tell his team, and they won it with that heart and soul, that defense. And, you know, John, it's funny because there was a play on second down that maybe some people won't recall, the Alabama people do as well. They, they recall it, but it was a little uh, down and out near the goal line, and Murray Lake slipped. So there was like two down and outs on the right side of the goal line. And so Don McNeil was on the one further in the end zone. He came off his man and tackled, I think it was, uh, was it Fitzky maybe at the goal line to set up those two goal line stops. But it was, right. a, it was a fabulous play to come off his man and hit the Penn State wide receiver and knock him out of bounds at about that two, three foot line, whatever, you know, one yard, two foot line, something like that. But, you know, that that's forgotten by some people, but not the Alabama people. So, Don McNeil, he, he made one of the greatest defensive plays. Oh, yeah. Well, AP, you know, I'm sure you could agree. I, I can visualize it perfectly. That's one of those moments where I know exactly where I was sitting, and I can literally visualize those last two plays as we speak at this moment easily. I mean, they're just, you know, for you and I, you know, Fans of Penn State and Alabama, respectively, uh, you know, we'll never forget that, ever. Frozen in time, uh, to say the least. But, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, it was the true way, you know, Coach Bryant, he loved, he loved to play defense. He, he tolerated having an offense, but he loved to play defense. And no so doubt about it. That game was really won, on, won by the defense there. Uh, Barry Krause and Marty Lyons and Murray Leg and Rich Wingo and Curtis McGriff, uh, EJ Jr., all those guys were involved in that play. And it took everybody to stop Penn State because, you know, they were very good running the football, John. Oh, absolutely. No doubt about it. Uh, the descendants of John Capaletti, Lydell Mitchell, Franco Harris, on and on and on. So, yeah, great stuff. Uh, well, good luck with the Wishbone Boys. It just sounds uh, and looks from the, from the trailer to be Truly something special, and I'm sure it's a great project for you to be working on. And just, again, lots of memories for a lot of people, including even people from Penn State, no doubt about it. Yeah, John, thank you very much. We were very excited, and uh, the producer, Tim Card, is very passionate, and it wouldn't, wouldn't happen without him. We have a whole other couple of people involved, Buffy Donovan and Michelle Ryan, so we're doing our best to be a team and uh, get this project done. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, well, AP, lots going on in sports in general. But while we're on the subject of football, which we love to talk about, of course, why don't we just stick with the big coaching news of the week, big football news of the week, and certainly in college. Bob Stoops, uh, shocking the college football world by retiring at a time when coaches just typically don't retire, uh, you know, meaning the month of June, late May, whatever, uh, early June, just last week, Thursday, I believe it was, uh, it come out of nowhere, you know, so much gets leaked these days, but boy, there was n nobody saw this one coming, right? No, no, and, and I guess, John, I mean, uh, most of the time, as you said, 
that ambulance is at the stadium, not only to carry off the football players, but sometimes <laughs> coaches who won't step away from the sideline. But in this instance, I guess if you knew some background on Bob Stoops, where his dad coached for many years and passed away, I think uh, in the ambulance going to the hospital, he was, I think he was coaching a game. If, uh, You're if kidding. I that correctly. Oh, I so, never knew that. But, wow. Know, yeah he, yeah, he had that in his money in the back of his mind. His dad was, I think, 54. He's 56. He had a good run. Maybe he did it in a timely manner because he wanted this young assistant, um, was it Lincoln Riley? Is that his name? Or Lincoln Riley. Over? Now the youngest so, coach uh, in FBS. Well, that's wanted, it. Wanted I mean, that, that was my first. Give him very few options, so they, they made him uh, the permanent coach. They didn't give him an interim tag, so... That's what he wanted. Yeah, which I liked. Yeah, and, and I th- that was my first thought when I kind of heard, heard the whole story of just, you know, he was probably ready, and that was in combination with having, you know, what I'm assuming was, you know, one of the hot young coaches that obviously was going to get taken away, as we've seen so many times, from, from Will Muschamp to to uh kirby smart and on and on and on it just yeah, that's the way of the world and uh so i think there was you know a preventative measure and there was a part of me couldn't help but wonder and uh you know that the joe mixon situation uh especially over the course of the last six months or so had to really wear on him it would wear on any person any coach so to speak you know that situation and uh so, you know, I, I can't help but think that that was, it just wore him down. It would wear anybody down, right? It's a, it was a three-year yeah, saga. From Bob's, the, yeah, from Bob Stoops' perspective, it was a three-, four-year saga. Yes, yes, he had to live with that. And, there's, John, there's really not a, a good answer when you're having those questions from the media about no. the situation. Uh, it's very difficult because... I'm sure when you watch that, I mean, you watch that video and anybody who does, it, it's terrifying to see that somebody Correct. would hit a woman. And I mean, you know, it's not a show. Right? I mean, that's a punch. So, you know, everybody has a mother. People have sisters and cousins and aunts and friends. And it's disturbing. So, Correct. you know, when you have to reconcile that in your mind, maybe you do at some point, but it, it's, it's always there. It's always there that we, we had a player in our, our team that had um, you know, some domestic violence in their background. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, again, you know, just a shocker, you know, again, and these days there's not too many, you know, shockers without even the hint of a leak. Uh, and, you know, I mean, he was always in the mix. He won one national championship as recently as two years ago. He was in the college football playoff final four. Uh, you know, I, I think he overall, you know, held up the coaching tradition of Oklahoma from Bud Wilkinson to Chuck Fairbanks to Barry Switzer uh, pretty darn well, I'd say, uh, given his, I think it was 18 years there. So good for him. I, I hope that, you know, he went out on his own terms. That, that in and of itself these days is kind of nice to see. Um, and hopefully, uh, you know, we haven't seen the last of him, I don't think. Uh, everybody says he's very engaging and would be great in the television booth. 
But we shall see what turns out. Uh, Obviously, he'll be mentioned for every high-profile job, of which there's always high-profile jobs available. Uh, He he will now be mentioned for everything for next year or two, for sure. Oh, yeah, that's that's normal. He'll he'll get the the phone calls and radio interview requests, and every time he's on television as a guest on a on a panel, they'll ask him. You have the urge to come back and return. And but I think one thing at Oklahoma, I believe that he had one athletic director and one president, John. Oh. So, so the administration was not fluctuating in in up, upheaval, you know, every few years. So he had a good run. You cannot overstate the importance of that. I mean, I, I just need to look 20 minutes from here to Foxborough and see, you know, Kraft, Belichick, Brady. Stability. It just means everything. Uh, you know, with all the great attributes of Tom Brady, what I always think about uh, as I watch him do things like he did in last year's Super Bowl is, you know, he's had the same offense his entire 18-year career. I mean... <laughs> Just start with that. <laughs> so he's like, so he's basically, in my mind, he has perfected it, uh, so to speak. And uh, anyway, AP, hard to believe. We are at the end of our first segment together. So why don't we take a break? Still lots more to get to, and we'll do so on the other side of this break. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to IIR at Comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment three of All Around Sports. And I'm your host, John Inglesby. To join the show... The call-in number is 1-888-346-9144. Or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And back on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. And A.P., we've already talked a little uh, college football and lots more. Last week, we were so uh, deeply involved with the College Football Hall of Fame ballot that we never got to 
what you did last week, which was uh, attend the SEC meetings in Destin, Florida, and uh, always fascinating meetings. And uh, so we just wanted to catch up on how that all went. Yeah, John, I think one of the things I learned is kind of interesting that everybody considers the SEC as being so powerful, but some of the rules that were passed by the NCAA were not uh, you know, accepted by the SEC coaches. They, they weren't too happy, especially the recruiting calendar that kind of moved up to December. There's an early signing date. So now some of these teams, high school teams that maybe are in the playoffs, you're going to have a difficult time scheduling their, their uh, you know, the recruits to show up on campus. So that kind of interferes with the high school football, which, you know, with SEC, that's really important to them as everybody else. But well, they weren't happy with that early signing day in particular that will, that will happen in December. So wow. and then, then they discuss, they discuss issues, for instance, that alcohol in the stadium, the LSU is really pushing to have alcohol in their stadium, which, I mean, I don't know <laughs> such a good idea at LSU right. alcohol in the stadium. I mean, there's plenty of it outside, of course, but to have it inside the stadium, there are definitely some risks. No question. No question. Uh, Alabama, uh, they were, they're, they're not too, too fond at this point of really having alcohol in the stadium. So, but that was a, a topic that was discussed as well. And then the graduate transfer rules, they were, that was a really hot topic of conversation, especially within the SEC. Um, you know, if one player, if you have a graduate transfer, the SEC had a pretty strict rule that if somebody came from, let's say, Illinois, and they transferred, and if they didn't have the uh, academic requirements towards their degree, then the school would be punished for the next three years. You couldn't have a graduate transfer. But I think like the rest of the country, it's about a year penalty. So the SEC was trying to get more in line with the rest of the uh, NCAA team. So they um, cut, you know, cut that back down to one year penalty instead of instead of three years. Uh, but but most of the time, all the coaches, uh, believe it, John, they they just did not like any of these rule changes from the NCAA. And the only one who was kind of flexible and kind of going with the flow was Brett Bielema of Arkansas. I mean. He just said, whatever the rule is, you know, early recruiting, we're going to go with it and we're going to compete and we're going to win. So, and, but that's what's going to happen anyway, John. You know, the, uh, uh, the SEC gets the talent, whatever the rules will be, they're going to just uh, continue to, to compete and, and get the top talent and they're going to moan and groan about some things, but uh, they're going to line up every, every week in the fall and play football and, and be in championships, I can tell you that. All right. Wow. Yeah, that, that that's a lot to deal with. Um, yeah, the SEC is uh, is absolutely uh, you know front and center when all this stuff comes to be. Um, so we'll show, we shall see what uh, you know what develops. But you know that that graduate transfer rule that's always an issue, um, and no one. You know, surprisingly, for what feels like the first time ever, Bill Snyder, the coach at Kansas State, is, uh, you know, involved in the middle of that, right? Yes, yes. And, and John, like I said to you many times, whether it was Alabama or any other school, even if you're right 
in making a stand on preventing someone from attending a school, you know, in other words, you have the authority, let's say, you, you're going to look like the bully because especially if somebody graduates and you're going to try to limit them as to the schools they can't attend. It just seems like the, the student athlete gave everything he could. He, he, he graduated, you know, which, which helps your, your APR, of course, and was a contributor on your football team. And then you're going to deny him because of what reason? I mean, it's, it's really petty. You know, and, you know, Nick said he spoke about he didn't like free agency. He didn't like free agency in, in college football. Well, you, I think the reason is because he understands that coaches are going to recruit and try to get players. They're going to be backdoor communication. That so-and-so not happy at one university, we'll take, we'll take them, just t- tell them to finish graduating and come on over here. I mean, all these rules, a lot of times, to me, they're made to protect the, the coaches in, uh, from each other. It not, has nothing to do with student-athletes. Because if you, you're, you're at a school and you play three years, let's say, and you graduate, okay, fine. You, you played for Georgia, Alabama, Auburn, Tennessee. You, you know, why, what's, so, what's the, the damage that you want to play for another university? I, I, don't see the, I don't see why that's damaging. Yeah. I agree. I mean, you know, my first thought when I heard it was, you know, when you know it's a hot button topic when someone like Bill Snyder, who's basically above reproach, uh, he feels and looks like everybody's kind of uncle, if not grandfather, and he's beloved. And to hear him, like, you know, uh, in the crosshairs of some people, given this issue, just tells you the volatility connected with this specific issue. Uh, so, yeah, it's fascinating, you know, and it's one that comes up a couple times every year. Yeah, I've never heard of any coach <clears throat> limiting the transfers uh, to what schools he can't attend. I've never heard of any coach coming out at the end of that story looking good. Have you? No, no, not at all. Um yeah, it's always, uh, you know, simply kind of a yes or no. Either they, you know, let them transfer or give them a hard time. But typically what I do when I think of this topic, I do think that, you know, invariably the uh, the coach bends and lets the player transfer. Do you find that to be the case more often than not? I, I Yeah, I mean, I, I can't recall. There's been a few stubborn ones that made it go to court. I mean, right. this is ridiculous. Uh, they always say they have the student-athlete's interest at heart, but it, I find that hard to believe. Why would I want somebody, John, in any – I don't care if it was a tiddlywinks contest. Why would I want them around me if they didn't want to be there? That's in any, any organization, any entity. I mean, that's just uh, something, uh, a standard – or a philosophy I've lived by my whole life. I, I don't want to be somewhere where they don't want me, and I wouldn't want to be around anybody who doesn't want to be around me. Exactly. 100% agree. That's exactly how I look at it, too, and always have. Um, so, yeah, it's just right. It's not good for anybody if to have someone who doesn't want to be there. That just says it all. So, uh, so it sounds like it was another great week down in Destin, Florida. I got to ask, knowing that SEC media days are so heavily covered, and I think that's coming up sooner rather than later. Hard to believe. Um, <laughs> hard to, Really hard to believe, actually, how quickly they come around. But anyway, um, 
So uh, how many media attend this thing? Yeah, this particular one, John, is in the neighborhood of, I would say, 50 to, um, you know, on the high end, 75. I don't know if there were 75 people that went in Destin. I, I enjoy it because, John, all many of the bowls are there from coast to coast. Uh, rep, have a representative, maybe Rose Bowl, Sugar Bowl, Orange Bowl, Cotton Bowl, Gator Bowl, well, you know, uh, you know, Birmingham Bowl, just everybody is there. Then you have the, all the TV people. You have the presidents of the university. We're able to interview them. You have all the director of athletics. You have the men's basketball coaches, the women's basketball head coaches, uh, uh, men, um, the foot, head football coaches, the sports information people, other university officials, and you have access because you're all there. You're around the hotel. You might run into somebody. You would need to have a little conversation with them in the hallway during the week or set up an interview. So whereas the SEC media days, the head coach is at the podium 15 minutes. They rush off there. Then they go to the radio booth. Then they go to the TV room. Uh, and then they're gone for the day. The only thing that the SEC media has is um, the players. They bring uh, two or three players to get to speak with them. Correct, correct. And uh, we both, of course, have covered uh, the American Athletic Conference Football Media yeah. Day down in uh, down in Newport, Rhode Island. Always a highlight uh, on my calendar. Oh, yes. And, uh, oh, yes. Great event. Yeah, they're great. So just in contrast, how many media typically attend SEC Football Media Days down in, uh, I think it's Hoover, Alabama? Yeah, right, Hoover, Birmingham, right, Hoover. Uh, heck, John, it's 1,200. Wow. Okay, there you go. So we're talking 50 to 75 for yes, SEC yeah. meetings. But you make such a good point, you know, and having attended these football media days like yourself for other conferences and whatnot, yeah, it's they're great. But, you know, the league meetings, you mentioned like basketball coaches. That's such a good point. Uh, university presidents, on and on and on. Um yeah, they're really they're great. I think the AAC had theirs down in uh, in Key Biscayne uh, recently. Not a not a bad place, John. <laughs> exactly, Florida seems to be the spot in uh, in late May for these meetings, and uh, not a bad spot at all. And include Destin in that uh, good spot. Way well, P, hard to believe we're coming to the end of our second segment together so why don't we uh, take a break now still a few more things to get to and we'll do so on the other side become our friend on facebook post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline visit facebook.com forward slash voice america Sports and medicine go hand in hand. Quite simply, if you aren't up to your game health-wise, you won't be up to your game on the field. That's where Bruce the Sports Doc comes in. Dr. Bruce Grossinger uses his medical training and experience to bring you a link between sports and medicine. From the latest advances and treatments to discussion behind the injuries of the week, Bruce the Sports Doc and his team of guest experts are here each week to lay it on the line in terms that you can understand. Tune in every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific on The Voice America Sports Channel. Check your feelings at the door and enter the man cave. 
Don't let the name fool you, because we're here for anybody that wants to talk and listen in. Host J.D. Harris and friends are here to lead the forum from the fans, former players, owners, execs, and coaches. While inside the man cave, you do whatever you like. We won't judge. We'll even go beyond sports to talk technology, current events, and entertainment. Tune in every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to the fourth and final segment of All Around Sports. I'm your host, John Inglesby, and back on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. And, A.P., we were talking a little uh, college football, as we love to do, and noticed uh, something interesting this week where one of our favorite topics over the past year or two has been satellite camps. And looks like there was some news with Nick Saban and satellite camps uh, just this week. <laughs> He can't get away from that topic, can he? John? We, we can. Well, when you know, when when uh, Jim Harbaugh kind of got the whole thing going, uh, and you know, when last seen he was in Rome at the Vatican <laughs> with the Michigan football team. Not that that's a satellite camp, but it was a heck of a trip. Um, but yeah, you know, Jim Harbaugh got it going. It's a highly emotional topic. The NCAA has ruled on it, uh, but it doesn't go away, does it? No, no. He, you know, Nick Saban has ranted and, and raved about the uh, satellite camps, and he doesn't like them. Well, lo and behold, who's who's down at the University of South Florida in Tampa? Uh, Nick Saban. Uh, he, wow. He didn't speak to the group as a whole, but he was down there speaking to the recruits. Uh, he brought a couple of assistants with him, Brent Key and Mike Loxley. So okay. that's been his pattern, John, that he's against something. He gets to the podium with an agenda, uh, you know, like the like the uh, different type of uh, high-powered offenses, fast-speed offenses, and the next thing you know, he's running that type himself. So that's been a pattern with uh, Nick Saban. Yeah, it's a fascinating topic. Uh, was this in any way connected with you know, USF and Charlie Strong or anything like that, or was this just simply like a high school players at a satellite camp that happened to be located at USF in Tampa? Yeah, that's, as far as I know, it was, it was uh, with with South Florida um, down there. Okay. The, um, their, their campus and everything. All right, interesting. Well, I always... Uh, I love my USF because that's where the Steelers trained for the Super Bowl in 2009 uh, against the Arizona Cardinals, the famous Santonio Holmes catch game. And uh, so that's great. Uh, Way P, you know, uh, I also want to make my pick of the week for appointment viewing, which is, of course, tonight's Golden State Warriors, Cleveland Cavaliers, Game 5. You know, game five is always the well-known swing game. And uh, I started off the show or in the first segment, I was saying uh, 
Hard to believe we're back at the exact same spot we were a year ago, which is dubs up 3-1, game five, you know, in Oakland. And here we are again, a different route, uh, you know, but where the Cavs were down 3-0. Then they won game four. I called out the pride game as someone here in Boston who's witnessed a couple 3-0 comebacks. Yankees beating, or Red Sox beating Yankees in 4 And, of course, Flyers coming back against the Bruins down 3-0 about six, seven years ago. So game four is the pride game, but this is the game. And I couldn't be more excited for tonight. Yeah, John, this is incredible that, when you think that Golden State is going for the sweep to set a record undefeated in the playoff, Cleveland just annihilates them and yep. uh, gets back in this this series. Now they can they're, they're kind of playing a little bit free and easy, and Golden State's thinking if we let this game get to three to two, anything can happen at three to two because they know at three to one something happens. So if we we get to three to two. I'm getting a little bit nervous, and uh, I'm not thinking about sweeping anybody, of course, but I'm thinking about just surviving and winning this series. Absolutely. I mean, I just uh, I said in the first segment, the Warriors lose tonight, and I'm a big Warriors guy. Uh, you know, I think they're going to lose the series because I think they're, well, you know, they could. In other words, they lose tonight. Right. They're losing game six back in Cleveland, and then game seven, I would dare say they would have more pressure on them maybe than any sports team in the history of American professional sports because it's more than just this year and all that. It's their three-year legacy. It's their 72 wins from last year when they didn't win the championship, the record-setting 72 wins, I should say. It's their, you know, it's what they've built to become one of America's, you know, most watched teams, the appointment television, even at 1030 at night on the East Coast, I stay up and watch regular season games. That's And I'm not alone. <laughs> right. It's Steph Curry. Right. Yeah, it's all of them. It's Kevin Durant. I mean, my gosh. Uh, the, the pressure on Kevin Durant, which has been really at a minimum because he's played so well, you know, but boy. That is going to come raining down on him and Steph Curry and, you know, Draymond Green, especially if he continues his, uh, especially if he would get technicals suspended, whatever it would be. I mean, it's so entertaining. You know, you just, you just can't wait till tonight at nine o'clock Eastern. It's just going to be spectacular. But tonight's the night. Tonight is, you know, to, tonight's the night that, and the Warriors know this. You can sense it. You know they're they're not they're no dummies. They know exactly. They know they need to win tonight. You can tell. Yeah, yeah, they understand. John, it's really strange because if you look back to a, another sport, Buffalo Bills, let's say, what would happen if they had won that first one and lost the last three? It'd be completely different. Like, this could happen. Golden State. I mean, they could. You know, they won the first one and lose the next two, and you got have to feel that they'd probably be back in the finals next year. Oh, absolutely. You you know, you could have a scenario where they're in their four straight years like the Buffalo Bills. Uh, Of course, Buffalo didn't win. They they, they tasted victory the first time, but if they lose these next two, it'd be something next year because you you must think that they have the best best team. They'll be back again next year. Oh, yeah. Well, you have to think it'll be them and the Cavs again next year, no matter what happens. 
I mean, there's no reason not right. to believe that. Um, but yeah, it's just uh, it's just going to be again. You know, it goes beyond appointment television. This is that rare. You know, you, you're counting the hours down as it, as as, a, as ESPN is doing as we speak. Seven hours, six minutes, seven seconds. Um, it's just you know. Again, I you know I, I would have loved to have seen sixteen and zero sports history undefeated postseason yeah. first time ever that would have been great. But uh, I think by yeah. the end of the first, well, you know that and that's a good thing about it. that's a fun thing about Golden State. Even with that unbelievable forty nine point first quarter, you know I there there was nobody thinking like Golden State couldn't come back from that. It was only when it was at like sitting at twenty and the Cavs to their credit did great they would let it drop to 12 or 13 then they would bring it right back up to 20 and only with like five minutes left in the game did i finally say okay it's over because you can never count out golden state no no too much offensive firepower and and, and they can't play defense correct exactly they didn't do the uh, night they didn't do the night couldn't do anything about it but they, they can when so they're, they're gonna have to have a good good game and uh, yeah, definitely. All the basketball world is going to be watching. It'll have a humongous number, I'm sure. Oh my gosh, it's just going to be a record-setting number, no doubt about it. Uh, what I feel like is, you know, tonight we're going to find out what Golden State is made of, and more specifically, what certainly Kevin Durant and to a degree, Steph Curry. Uh, you know, what are they What are they really made of? Curry has a championship under his belt. Durant does not. Uh, tonight's the referendum on Kevin Durant, really, at the end of the day. It just is. I mean, everybody said this is the difference between this year and last year. They have Kevin Durant. And tonight, you know, we're going to find out if indeed he is that difference. I mean, a lot of questions will get answered. And then, you know... If the Cavs win, there'll be so many other storylines that we can get to. But, you know, for now, uh, I can't wait to see how the Warriors, specifically Durant and Curry, who did not have a good game for, pedestrian at best, see how uh, see how it all shakes out. It's going to be awesome, AP. Yeah, but I think you, you, it was well said, John, when you referenced Kevin Durant because people have seen Steph Curry perform in the clutch and right. you know Kevin Durant, Kevin Durant to some degree, but this is in the finals now. He's on the team with all the firepower, and it's really on him. Right. Tonight's the biggest game of his life. Period. And if they don't win, you know, certainly Game Six will be bigger, and then Game Seven will be the ultimate game. But AP, hard to believe we're at the end of our show. Thank you as always for calling in. Great perspective and. Uh, Really appreciate you calling in and uh, and having our usual weekly discussion. Hey, John, it's my pleasure. Really enjoyed it and look forward to next week. Excellent. And as always, thank you all for listening to All Around Sports, and we look forward to doing it all again next Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Thanks again for tuning in to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Be sure to tune in again next Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. And we'll talk sports again next week.